Welcome to the WeedWorks podcast. It's blunt talk about working in marijuana. I'm your host, Matt Hoffman. The point in this podcast is for you to hear stories, experiences, and opinions about working in the marijuana field. Hear firsthand field reports from people who are actually working in the cannabis industry, like business owners, human resources managers, executives, anyone who has anything to do with the exciting, emerging, essential cannabis sector. And we have conversations with job seekers just like you who are curious about entering the cannabis industry. We find out their stories, their backgrounds, their hopes and goals, and answer a lot of the essential questions of, will I get arrested if I work in the cannabis industry? Is there a real career path in cannabis? Will I get a living wage? Will I be treated right? All the questions that are on your mind that you've thought of or you haven't will be answered in the Weed Works Blunt Talk About Working in Marijuana podcast. Make sure you subscribe and tell your friends to download anywhere you get your podcast. I'm your host, Matt Hoffman, and let me welcome you to Weed Works Blunt Talk About Working in Marijuana. WeedWorks Blunt Talk About Working in Marijuana is brought to you by Handgrown.Jobs. If you've always wanted a job in the cannabis industry, then look no further than Handgrown.Jobs. Handgrown.Jobs connects cannabis job seekers to cannabis employers across the nation. Go to Handgrown.Jobs, create a profile, upload your resume, and begin the search for your new cannabis career. Go to Handgrown.Jobs to get into the essential and exciting cannabis industry. Handgrown.Jobs sponsors and supports the WeedWorks Blunt Talk About Working in Marijuana podcast, and we're very grateful to that organization. You should definitely check them out. If you would like to participate in the Weedworks Blunt Talk About Working in Marijuana podcast and you want to share your story or you have questions, thoughts, concerns, then you can reach out to us noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time through the Weedworks podcast hotline. It's area code 616-206-3240. That connects you in studio to the Weedworks podcast. Tuesdays through Thursday, noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 616-206-3240. And we will help you in every way we possibly can. That is what we do here. Since we're talking about helping people, Our Cannabis is a nonprofit organization that has partnered with Weedworks. In order to better serve the cannabis community, Our Cannabis has made workforce development resources available to cannabis job seekers. It does this by helping people that want a job in the cannabis industry make resumes, practice their interview skills, and start to learn some of the practical skills that will help give you a leg up in the very competitive world of a cannabis career. Our Cannabis makes all of these resources available to community members at no cost. Our Cannabis is available to help you if you would like some assistance creating a resume, practicing your interview skills, and developing some of the skills that will help you get a job in the cannabis industry, then send an email to contact at rcannabis.org. That's contact at ourcannabis.org, and the staff will be more than happy to help you get your cannabis career growing. We look forward to seeing you in the cannabis field. Now let's get into today's show. Okay, today's episode is with Bruce Linton. He is the founder and former CEO of Canopy Growth Corporation, which is the largest cannabis company in the world. And he's also the chairman of Gage Cannabis, which is a Michigan-based company. It'll be very interesting to hear Bruce's opinion, experience, and story about working in the cannabis industry. Let's get on the phone with Bruce right now. Bruce Linton. Hi, Bruce. This is Matt Hoffman. How are you? I'm well, Matt. How are you? Oh, 
running around like a madman, to be honest with you. It's another day at the office for me. Yeah, home office craziness or what? Well, yeah, I'm uh, I'm selling a property owned in the in the southern part of the state, so I had to run down there and meet the guy to let him in to do a inspection, and then run back up here. And <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of like where's up here? Where are you? Where are you during the day? Where are you now? Yeah, so I'm in I'm in Grand Rapids. It's the second largest, fastest growing city in the state of Michigan. So it's got a little bit of the perks of, of a city, but not Chicago. It's not New York. It's not D.C., but it works. Yeah, I think Gage Cannabis, if I recall correctly, is opening a store in um, Grand Rapids. Yeah, it's been right. a bit of a it's been a bit of a process trying to get these mm-hmm. locations opened up here in Grand Rapids. There's been a lot of municipal pushback and uh, it has not made it easy, which has been very frustrating for me because I do workforce development. And so I held yeah. a job fair last year. You know, I talked to, I mean, I, I spent more time at these municipal meetings than I did anywhere else, just making sure that one Grand Rapids opted in. And then just being there, it's, it's good hunting grounds to find clients and get familiar with people. And so I formed relationships with everybody over the time and, and said, Hey, you know, what, what are you thinking about opening? And they'd say, oh, you know, we're thinking, this is this is last year. They're, they're like, oh, we'll open in June. And I said, okay. So I did a big job fair and had, in a two-hour period, I had 763 people show up to a room that had a capacity for 100 people. So it was uh, crazy, to say the least. It was, it, I was so effective at getting people there that it was ineffective at actually doing interviews and and all the, the stuff. So it was it was madness. And I got everybody all worked up about the exciting opportunities of working in cannabis. And then there were construction holds ups and there were permit issues with the city and zoning and everything got pushed back and got pushed back and got pushed back. And people are kind of like, Matt, where's those jobs that you got us all excited about? I'm going, Oh my God, I know. Like nobody wants these freaking jobs here more than I do. So. Yeah. Well, and it's like that state by state things get sideways for a while, but um, it appears things are now opening up even in COVID, we opened um, Gage last week of May. They opened another store, and you know it is—it's good employment, right? Because it's essential service. People have worked through whole COVID time, so that you know a lot of these things have uh, more upside than just the job. It's a very stable job. Yeah, and the cannabis industry is a place where it's an unprecedented opportunity for people to get in. There isn't a degree requirement. I mean, if people have them, that's great, especially if it's a specialized skill. But for the most part, it. If somebody wants in the space, they can get in. It just it takes a yeah. willingness to learn and attitude. And unlike going and working at Lowe's or Home Depot or wherever just to kind of tide, tide oneself over, there's the opportunity for career growth and career development and networking. And there's a lot of mobility for people that have that have experience. I mean, the, the people that come... Right. Can... Let's hit the podcast, man. We're doing all the good stuff now. Oh, oh, oh we're... Yeah, how do you... How... We're already recording that. We're already recording that, Bruce. <laughs> That's already happening. Okay. So yeah, yeah. No, I would. So I would say you know, compared to um, just taking a job, which has an hourly calculation at a, a big chain, some of these places and they should all even issue uh, options and equity. So people they are part of an organization, which if it becomes publicly listed, they actually have some um, equity upside. And there's no reason that that and it shouldn't be simply available to the founders, the executives. This yeah. is more like a tech startup environment than it is a go work at the uh, construction yard. So because, of, and it is more like tech in that there is no one anywhere who knows how this looks in three and five years. So yeah. you have to be ready to constantly evolve. 
that means people should be giving feedback all the time. They should be integrated into the planning process to say what's working, what's not. So that's a very different environment than simply showing up and getting your, uh, your wage. That leads into one of my questions. So I guess we should start with order of operations. Who are you? What's your story? And how did you get into cannabis? What's your background? Sure. So I'm uh, Bruce Lenton. And um, as far as uh, mission goes, I'm the chairman of uh, Gage Cannabis, which is began operating in the medical world, now operates stores, both in medical rec. Gage is pretty visible brand. One of the more even visible brands they control in the state is uh, Cookies. And so I'm involved with a variety of cannabis operations. As an investor and chairman or board member, I'm involved also with what I think is an interesting scientific endeavor, which is how you can therapeutically use psychedelics to achieve you know, medicinal goals for people. So I'm involved with a couple of companies in that area called uh, Mind Medicine and Red Light Holland. I always want to call it Holland Red Light, no Red Light Holland. <laughs> um, so those are working in that sphere. And at the base of where I started with tech, and so I started in the field dealing with telecommunications, and I moved to lessons learned after a decade in that world to starting uh, what became the largest legal cannabis company in the world called Canopy. I would say that I tried folks to focus on a couple of things in creating that. I think if you ask most of the people, almost all the people, perhaps all the people who worked there in the first six years, was it the single most rewarding business work, personal environment they've ever had? And the answer was yes. For many of them, and everyone had options to equity, was it financially very rewarding. The answer was yes. It wasn't simply because it was in the cannabis business at the right time, the right place. It was also a function of including everybody in the program. So when we would do our planning on what's culture, we might have asked 140 people to participate from a person cleaning the floors to an executive vice president. Yeah. And uh, all of their inputs were more more or less viewed as equal because culture isn't a position, it's a perspective. And yeah. I came to it that way. What probably motivated me the most is I found people who opposed cannabis. I wasn't uh, fundamentally in favor or against anything. I'm just in favor of people being rational when they think and talk about it. And so I found in cannabis a super irrational dislike that many people had six years ago, seven years ago. Yeah. And they would say they don't like it, but their arguments were so terrible it would cause you to actually constantly win them. And I enjoyed that sort of transforming people's perspective and going forward. So maybe I'm just someone who likes to argue. Maybe I'm someone who likes to act. But um, my career advice, and I've had a lot of people reach out, they say they want to get in the cannabis space. And they yeah. want to be the director of quality assurance, or they want to be the vice president of finance, or they want to be, you know, they each have these target outcomes, which my pitch to them is, guys, get in anywhere mm -hmm. and blow people away by how competent and functionally able to deliver value above your position you are and you move to that position. But if you wait to join, things get away from you. Right. And, and so many people say, well, I want to put on my resume that I, I we used to be the deputy director of finance at this place and I moved to be the director. No, I said, no, you're jumping off of uh, an industry that's going down yeah. to an industry that's going up. Yeah. And what you have to do is get into the industry. Forget about your captivation with a particular spot and title. Get in. I couldn't agree more. I, I, I tell people at various levels, okay, so here in a second, you're about to hear some beeping. <laughs> yeah, that's my hack amateurness at podcasting. It's not your phone. It's in the podcast. And, you know, it's interesting for me. I'm producing and publishing this show, and it's been a couple months since I've recorded it. I'm working through my backlog right now. 
And it's very interesting to see how my communication style has changed, how my interview style has changed, how the podcast itself has changed. I think all for the better, but there are still things that I fuck up. <laughs> it's just, it's amusing, I suppose. So, all right, let's get back to the interview with Bruce. That exact same thing. I say, once you're in, then you can, you get to know people within the company. They get to know you. And then people get to know you in the cannabis industry because it's a very small world. And then. Yeah. And you also, your conversation quality increases because you're living the regulations. Right. Um, you're living the corporate culture. You're understanding where you see things working well inside the company and where you think things could improve. So yeah. that's a, that's a much more fruitful opportunity to be the next person who takes the job internally as it opens up than it is from the other side coming in where you don't live the regulation, where yeah. you really don't understand the organization. And so, you know, it's a volatile sector. Rapid growth can also have rapid, rapid contraction. And the, the only thing is one of the people that I'd encountered in the sector, had a very good thing. And uh, so I told him I was going to steal it, which was, if you look around the world, the only thing that you can say is never going to be a smaller business as a sector, is the cannabis sector still. Huh. And I think that's still an extraordinarily true statement. And the reason it is, is less than a third of the whole world actually has rational policy, even about medical cannabis, let alone recreational. Yeah. And so tell me, it'd be almost like saying, well, and there's nobody on the planet, especially after COVID, running any government that isn't wondering where the heck can I get a few more jobs started, a bit more tax, a bit more industrial use buildings are empty being turned not empty yeah yeah oh yeah so like it's early still like you think about it even the u.s it's not dominant medically really and it's not dominant uh recreationally and it's for sure not federally part of the current conversation of what's happening in the next election the leading country on the planet that still hasn't done it and all you got to do is say well you know i mean i think i'll go take some cannabis to china see how that turns out for you yeah and there's no homogeny from state to state Michigan's program is completely different than Missouri's and Oklahoma. There's nothing. There's no standardization whatsoever. But Uh, even look at some of these mega important states, like how's New York State working? Right. Not super well. Right. And so here's a state that is a gateway to how the world perceives the U.S. (laughs) And the closest thing you see to a accessible cannabis is some guy driving an RV around Times Square painted green selling stuff that the state doesn't even sanction. Right, right. And so uh, I would say that there's always news items about companies poor, companies rich, companies growing, companies shrinking. Those are companies. What you got to say is, do I like this sector? Do I want to actually focus on my time being in a sector? Like sectors include, sure, cannabis at large, including hemp. You can say, well, no, no, I, you know, sector, if you're really good at uh, artificial intelligence, that's a pretty good sector. But there's a lot of sectors going down, like retail. Yeah. So so let me ask you this. Click on all the. Well, I learned how to click on all the right buttons. I don't have to go anywhere to buy shit anymore. Oh, right. Not even anything. Yeah. Instacart. God, they basically, you know, if they could just chew the food up and feed it to me, that would save the final step. Like, it's, it's you know what I mean? So <laughs> all of these sectors have transformed more rapidly under COVID than people predicted. And you know what's gone up? Cannabis consumption. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's that's great news for us. <laughs> that's just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and well, it's good news for Instacart. They're, they're going to start hiring people to chew food for people because that's the last mile. Well, uh, well, then there's the then there's the back end of that business too. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah. you know what I mean, like yeah. so you got you don't get a job 
in a company, you get a job in a sector because once you're in the sector, if you leave a company, right. you go to another company in the sector. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and then it's just about building reputation and build, build, building connections and coming off as professional. And so. And developing a vocabulary, right? When you correct. work in the right. sector right. and somebody starts talking about QA, QC, you go, yeah, yeah, I got it. No problem. Right. But they start talking about, we're having a big debate about whether or not we can go, uh, fully uh, aeroponic. Well, when yeah. you're in the sector, you can actually have a clue what they're talking about. Right. I have a massive in- advantage of being on the inside in everything. You know, they start talking about well, inspection tomorrow. Well, if you, you're in the inside and you survive inspection, you know what that means. Yeah. You got your shit together. Yeah, but you get in the sector. I don't care if it's like holding the door when people come in. Right. You're, you're at least having conversations that will inform your ability to move up. Right. And when a position opens up because life happens, boom. Hey, hey, there's Jimmy. He's holding the door. We know Jimmy. We like Jimmy. Jimmy's competent. Hey, Let's Jimmy, bring him in. Jimmy's on time every day. Oh, exactly. You know, part of the thing we know on time is somebody's going to be a, a production assistant and a girl. You know what one of the key things in life is? Showing up. <laughs> you up yeah. open the door every day. You're going to show up and open. So, oh, now you're a production assistant. Well, What's yeah. The next the, move? Well, the, maybe, maybe you start to decide, well, I want to stay on the production side or I want to move to more of the breeding. And so you, you, the options open up. Yeah. The world is run by the people that show up. I mean, it, it's not yep. the, the, the things, the advice that I give people about getting a job are stuff that junior high schoolers were now going and getting a first job. I mean, it's, it's not hard. Show up, show up every day on time, put in the effort because I, th- there's nothing in the space when it comes to operations that I can't teach somebody because I've, I've done it. It's not hard. It's just consistent application and exposure. And yeah. it, it takes it takes the attitude, the hunger, and the effort. And if I, I swear yeah. to God, give me a guy that chews on his thumb and that's willing to put in the effort, and I'll take him over the guy that, that has a hotshot genius every time. Yeah. Well, you know what? Part of what happens is you got to have a little ambition. Like when I think about extraction, right? Now you're starting to get some, uh, some technical stuff going on. Some, yeah. You know, if it depends what you're using for extraction, like – Cold ethanol. Ethanol used to be used as rocket fuel. So there's, you know, there's a bit of flammability there. So you got to be a bit thoughtful on that. And CO2 uses quite a bit of pressure. So you want people who actually understand the process, follow yeah. directions. But we had a number of people who moved into those different functions who started off as a production assistant. Right, right. And, and it so goes back to getting you know, the language. A real, well, and you're listing a whole tangible skill set now. Like right. if you're running a uh, European-reviewed, uh, you know, the equivalent of the FDA, certified cleanliness for sort of pharmaceutical equivalent extraction environment. You know what? That is a skill set that is super transferable and highly relevant. Right. And anybody in anybody in working in that environment is going to go, oh, you have that, you hold that standard, you have that certification. Okay, cool. We can skip that part of the interview because I already know that. And then it's, it's like car mechanics getting together. It's, it's shop talk. It's somebody that can speak the language can evaluate somebody else. And then go, okay, you know what, and, this guy can come in here and, yeah. and he can be here. And then grow to another position. When you're on the inside, things that sound like a foreign language, right, where they start talking about uh, how they're running the place and they have GMP. Well, GMP means good manufacturing processes. What right. it really means is that there's a documented procedural method by which everything's done. And there's a calibration to see that your systems are controlling and recognizing. Yeah. Well, if you, once you get on the inside, you know what it is, it's called? It's kind of like military. It's just following procedure. Right. Right. Once you, and once you understand that, you can now translate all the other chatter you hear around into, I got it. I understand it. Let's talk about what your procedural policies are versus what I'm familiar with. Being in a job interview going, cripes, I don't know what GMP is. 
Uh, right. Yeah. That goes back to what you're talking about culture. It's making sure that there's a culture of open communication that if, if there's a guy that's working in a production facility and he's, he's defoliating or he's doing foliar applications or whatever, he's just in the garden every day. That guy knows more about what's going on in that garden than, than probably anybody else. And so when that guy comes to, to me or to leadership and says, Hey, Matt, I'm noticing X, Y, and Z, I listen to that guy. He's, he's boots on the ground. He knows. And the, the companies that get that, they do well. And it's such a challenging space because cannabis is, is brutal. It's unforgiving. The learning curve is expensive and painful on its best day. And it's just about being able to weather those growing pains and make those micro adjustments that stack up over time and either cut the cost of goods grown or maximize maximize outputs or increase the positive culture in the workspace. I mean, it's... It's all these little things that add up and make a big difference. I can tell you somebody, uh, you know, building and running the business, you got such a great ratio of value of output in terms of telling you about stuff from that crowd and a very low bullshit overhead. Typically (laughs) the folks who are doing the work who have an idea and they're not always going to be right. You need to contextualize. Sometimes you'll be like, Hey, why can't we use this product? It would may I use it at home. It works great. Well, well, you use it at home, and we can't get it. At, we can't yeah. get it at wholesale. There's that. Yeah. Well, or or hey, listen. You know how uh, the label looks funky? Look at the back. They have a whole bunch of unlisted ingredients. Right. I can't have stuff going on. My, but but you know, a lot of times they might have ideas like, um, can we change these tables so that we get better airflow this mm-hmm. way? You start looking at it, and you're like, yeah, you know what, we could, and probably here's the and so you you know. Yeah. Um, the key is to always, if you're working anywhere, when somebody comes through, who's supposed to be in charge, show them some value add. Like, hey, what, what are we doing? This? Can we do this? Yeah, um, and and that's a good that, sign that, because they they care. They're if if yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like oh, okay, cool. Like, and then what that says back to them is, yeah, sure, we can adjust the height on that table. And that says, I fucking care about you. I value you. Yeah. I want to keep you around. I want you to be happy. I want you to enjoy your job. You're valued. Because when someone when someone learns to become proficient, and it takes time because we're talking about a skilled trait. That's really what we're talking about. It's a vocation. And so when someone develops even just the basic competencies and they possess the language, the last thing we want to do is have them get, get sniped by another company. <laughs> I mean, I read an article a couple of years ago. It actually came out of Canada. And it said – the best ways to get talent in the cannabis industry. And number one was steal it from your competitors. And I went, Oh my God, that's a, that's a clear signal to every company out there that they better have something else besides a paycheck. Because if it just boils down to money, then everyone's going to go. Yeah. But that's where uh, equity matters. Right. Give people access to options. Then they, 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 they lose them if they leave. Now, if it's a terrible work environment, they'll still leave. Right. They're not a cure all. But they are a, you know, even some days, you know, the day's a bad day. And, uh, you know, your worker gets home and saying to her husband or wife, whatever, yeah, this sucks. I don't like this anymore. They'll say, hey, yeah, but you know what? We can plan on getting a new camp or those things, you know, you can try again tomorrow. And usually tomorrow's better. Right. Yeah. That's, that's life. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Yeah. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch gears a little bit. And, uh, when you entered the space, did you face any stigma? Did your friends and family go, Bruce, what the hell are you doing? Oh, yeah. This is crazy. And how did you deal yeah, with that? Yeah, I think, well, I think the key is, you know, yes, the answer is yes. It's always, 
there's two things. One is if, if there was no stigma, the space would be uh, <laughs> completely saturated with every company that would be in the space if they were rational. So the bias keeps a lot of the big guys out, and that's good. So you got to keep an eye on it that way. It's not like you're joining some shop that's doing something illegal. You're just doing something that's new. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time explaining that if you really were uncomfortable with what I was doing, the only reason you could possibly be opposed to it is because you or someone that's a close friend or family member is a criminal. Because <laughs> what I'm doing is legal, and the only party that will be diminished in their income will be the criminals who supplied it to date. And I know everybody says, well, I'm not a criminal. The definition of a criminal is if you're doing something that's fundamentally against local, state, and federal laws, even if it's noble and good, you're still a criminal. Like Robin Hood, by definition, was a criminal. Yeah. Good criminal, nice criminal. What we're trying to do is pay taxes and act in a fully regulated way, follow every rule, and make sure that the reason we do it is that if you want to attract patients who should use the product, a lot of patients like the law. They like rules. And so until it gets to the point where doctors are recommending something, they won't do it. So if you're not following the rules, you're not going to get a doctor to recommend it, as in, for example. Yeah. And if you want to take market share from alcohol, you better follow the rules because alcohol doesn't want you to take the share. Right. Yeah, it, so, it seems um, like a lot of the companies are recognized the value of corporate charity, give back programs, social equity. And, yeah. you know, that, I mean, that's a good thing. That, that's just a good thing. And it sets a positive yeah, example yeah. for the industry, too. Yeah, you know, in Canada, one of the weirdest things is they have such, they're decreasing a bit, but they had such strict laws on advertising. You weren't permitted to, say, support, like, a charity golf tournament where all the money might have gone to whatever charitable purpose. Yeah. So they restricted that, but they started loosening it up because anything the cannabis company couldn't do, the, the liquor or booze company, the beer company could. <laughs> right. And so they started to rebalance it to recognize that if you were actually just doing a which one should we allow to happen today, one or the other? You'd allow cannabis all day long and booze never. Yeah, like more the, often the, than the not, yeah. Physical, the f physical implications on your body of alcohol versus cannabis are day and night. Yeah. Even cannabis generally, you can have zero-calorie cannabis. Good luck with the booze on zero-calorie. <laughs> yeah, they've, they've tried. Um, <laughs> so what attracted you to the space? I mean, why, why cannabis? Well, I just, um, probably because I don't really like, I don't think I have any, I lack the ability to very actively process bias for or against something. Like, I was curious. Mm. And so when I saw this happening, I'm like, oh, listen, I know a zillion people who like cannabis. If the government's going to make a regulatory framework where what they're really worried about is not what cannabis you grow, but please don't lose any. Remember, I'm a tech guy. <laughs> if you don't lose electronic data packets in a data network, not losing cannabis is pretty easy. <laughs> And so I thought, I understand how to not lose stuff. Um, lots of people like this. Well, it's something different. I just introduced something different. So I just went around telling people I'm going to start it. The first four people I said, I'm going to start if you want to do it with me. I said, You're, that is like the worst idea you've had. You have many bad ideas, many good ideas. That's for sure the worst idea. You know, reputational risk and, you know, who are the incumbent suppliers? They're not going to like you and all this shit. Um, which, then it depends on your character. Hmm me the most motivational thing to be told is that you shouldn't or couldn't and chat and don't and i'm like oh, screw you i'm gonna do do you like to i mean do you like to fight do you like the challenge yeah 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 i'd rather have a fight than have breakfast i you know what um, yeah yeah that uh yeah yeah i'll have but i would say now yeah. it's evolved it is becoming <laughs> a ever more professional and i think in a sense possibly prematurely professional because yeah there's so much we don't know yet yeah 
there's so many um, potential application form factors. Like, I have yet to encounter more than one useful, thought-through way to assist uh, old geriatric canine dogs in having a quality of life and using cannabinoids as part of it versus not. Hmm. And that, that you just stop and think, like, any people have a dog? Yep. They like their dogs, generally. <laughs> so I haven't listened to this podcast in months, and I got to say that I was just cracking up over here. Like, the shit that Bruce says is just <laughs> so fucking funny. Like, he's like, do most people like their dog? Yeah, generally. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Bruce, I didn't know you were this funny. It was over my head. <laughs> well done. Well done. All right. Let's get back to it because it's just rapid fire. Like, I'm just in stitches right now. Would they like them to have a better last year life? Yep. Could cannabis do it? Probably. Now, you really like after you've had Bowser for 12 years, do you want to start sort of experimenting on Bowser and maybe make Bowser's day shit versus great? Yeah, that's not very nice. So, there are segments we just haven't even begun to turn over. Right. So something I realized pretty early on in this interview was that Bruce is on his own level. And, you know, I'm not here to to canonize anybody and, and, and do all that. That's That's not my thing. But when I was talking to him, especially at this point here, I went, as I'm reviewing this, I went, okay, Matt, I'm at... 5,000 feet at a local view and Bruce is at 100,000 feet global view and it's just very interesting to hear a different level and a different perspective I just love talking to people that have different mindsets, different stories backgrounds, experiences opinions, it's just the fastest and best way to learn about the world is through someone who has a different point of view. And Bruce definitely has a different point of view. All right, let's get back to hearing that point of view right now. There's not a lot of buy-in, meaningful buy-in from states and some of their programs. And then if we look at Michigan, for example, I think we're at, what, 27% medical opt-in at the municipal level, and I think we're at 17% recreational, and we yep. voted 64%. Of the population voted yes, so <laughs> no, and uh, yeah, yeah, and, and I know everything's local, but sometimes you got to listen above that, and and I just you know it it will, what starts to happen is um, one area does and one area doesn't, right? And the area that does, yeah, all the gas station operators and yep. grocery stores should all say thank you because if you get in your car and you're going to go out and you got a list of three things, it's I uh, need to get fuel. I need to get groceries. I need to pick up some cannabis. Yep. Yeah. Well, you might drive to that other town or that area and do all three there. Yeah. Well, and the effect could be that those vendors of the fuel and the groceries start to see fewer customers because customers actually stop and shop in one, or two, you know, one area. Right. Yeah. And so I think over time, the you have nothing but loss if you don't participate. So this very thing that we're talking about here where communities are benefiting from having cannabis in their in their community is something we're going to talk about next week with Jerome. And Jerome is part of 
the city of Morenci's leadership, and they very aggressively and early, very, very early, opted favorable marijuana ordinances. The city is facing a couple problems in that they've run out of room and property values are going through the roof. It's a boom of jobs. There's a lot of traffic coming there and there's a lot of interest. And we're going to talk to Jerome, who is part of the reason why that happened. I would I would say that he's way more humble, but I would say that he, he's the driving factor behind the great things that are happening in that community. So we're going to be having that conversation with Jerome. You can hear it from the horse's mouth. City leadership will talk about the positive effects, exactly what Bruce was talking about here of having cannabis businesses in the community and the advantage that they gain. That's going to be an interesting podcast. Make sure you subscribe, tell your friends, download to get that podcast coming up. Okay. Back to it. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, you hit you hit it right on the pin with that one. And there's a little town right on the right in the crook of the thumb over in the southeast corner of, and it's called Morenci. It, it it doesn't even have a McDonald's, that's how small it is. But they opted into cannabis wholeheartedly. They they're building a huge, I think it's a seventy five acre park with multiple operators there. It's fantastic what they're doing. They run they've run out of houses. They they, they don't even have places to yeah. to store the construction workers, but yeah. But my point is, is that I'm buddies with one of the township supervisors and they had some calamity happen with the flooding and the bridge and this and that. And they had money in the coffers that they could throw at those public work projects. It didn't solve it, not all of it, but they had money there to to work on their infrastructure. Now, their neighbors down the road, they didn't. So when the when those municipal leaders get together and they say, yeah, well, you know, we had X amount of dollars in the coffers for to repair that bridge or to stop sewage from spilling into the river. That was really helpful. That they're, they're, all they're doing is capturing a flow of business that was there already. Yeah. And they're turning it into something that's regulated <laughs> and income generating. So like, it's a no brainer. Yeah. It was most certainly you there. You get quite yeah. upset with me from time to time about, you know, all the stuff I was doing globally with cannabis. And I would have to remind them, I said, you know, I'm pretty hard working and not stupid, but you realize I didn't invent it. <laughs> Like, this stuff's here already. All yeah. I'm doing is bring it into the front door versus the side door and the back door. That being the case, what were some surprises? What surprised you building your business? Hmm. I would say that um, it's kind of like uh, the three bears, right? For a while, nobody liked it. Then uh, too many people liked it. And now it's probably getting just about right. And when I say that, I mean everyone from investors to scientists to Joe average person to towns mm. to federal countries. And so like initially it was a terrible idea. Then it was the cure all to everything. And now it's <laughs> a, a good fit. Let's rationally evolve this. Let's move it up. And so, um, each of those cycles was about 18 months. So I do feel like the progression now forward will be that a bit more steady, a little less crazy. <laughs> and probably quite productive for a lot of people who join it. Yeah, it. Uh, now I should I should try to wrap up with you because Olivia said yeah, I got you in for a long time, but it's really thirty minutes. Okay. I, 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 is it thirty minutes? Because that's what she said in there. Because I said cool. Because I actually have what I do on my Mondays and Tuesdays is I basically do all my phone calls with everybody I interact with, 
and make sure I understand what's going on from Switzerland to my last call last night was uh, Perth, Australia. Cool. And um, by doing that, I understand what's happening from hemp to uh, CBD to THC. And I'm talking about operators to government people. And in between, she tucks in things that are one time versus every week things. And she talked to you and I'm like, we have time. She goes, yeah, it'll be 30 minutes. Yeah. Okay. I can, I'll take it. I'll take what I can get. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I, I think what you're doing is important. I do think that um, my number one message is join the sector. Like you got to get in to a sector that you think this is where I'd like to spend the next 10 plus years. Yeah. And uh, cannabis meets the sector criteria. When you're joining a sector, you don't say, well, I'll only work at that company and I'll only do this job. You say, no, 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 no. I got to get inside. And so my number one sort of uh, wrap up point would be move in and move up. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, if you're open to it, I'd like to do it again, you know, every, yeah, no, every, I, every two weeks I, or whatever. Three minutes at a time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah good. Yeah. Three minutes at a time. Yeah. Okay. Um, good luck down the house. Oh no, it's sold. No, I wrapped that deal up. Yeah. I, that's done. That's done. Um, oh, question for you. I am fundraising. What individuals or what companies would you point me at? Can you connect me with that? Well, would send me your deck because you can't get any money unless you have a clear proposition presented in the form of a PowerPoint deck. Okay. Yep. To my email that you have. I've got, um, and, uh, I, I've just got documents. But I can put it in a PowerPoint. That's not a, that's not a big you deal. Cannot, you cannot fundraise without a PowerPoint deck. <laughs> it's because everybody raised money before you did one. Yeah, I'll send it over. Yeah. Send me that and I'll take a look. Okay, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Have a good one. So now it's time for the after interview review. And I want to thank Bruce for coming on the podcast. Listening to this, listening to this podcast a couple weeks after, listening to this podcast a couple months after recording it. The things that Bruce have said have been echoed in every episode that we've recorded at every level. The main point that everybody makes, whether it's from executives and leaders like Bruce or general managers or assistant general managers, me, every person who's in the industry has the same advice and it's get in. Don't wait. Get in now. They say the best time to plant a tree is 10 years ago or today. Well, plant your, I guess we could say the best time to plant a cannabis plant is 10 years ago, but that wouldn't, that just doesn't work. Cannabis is not trees. <laughs> anyway, my point is, is that get in now, make your inroads now, get in. Even if, if it's not exactly where you, you fit in, just get in and become part of a team. And we are here to help. There are robust resources available between handgrown.jobs and our cannabis. And the podcast is here to help. If you are interested in a cannabis career, then go to handgrown.jobs, reach out to contact at ourcannabis.org. We will do everything in our power to help you because we want to see you in the cannabis field. This has been Matt Hoffman, and thanks for listening to the Weedworks podcast, and we'll see you on the next episode.